This is Winging It, the somewhat whimsical, certainly worrying, decidedly wonky, seldom weighty, endlessly well-intentioned, and wildly witty show about music where one knows what's coming and the other doesn't. Now, this happens in between both proper to ensure you can spend anywhere from 15 to about 180 minutes with us every week. So now you're wondering, and, you know, rightly so, what are we going to be talking about? Because, of course, David has no idea because... uh this is a the best kept secret uh, in and out of Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, this time, are you ready? My, I mean, my mind, my mind is a blank slate, and mm-hmm. I am prepared to be led by the nose, mm. where error thou wouldst lead. Well, I will lead you to famous cases of opening bands that stole the show. Oh my goodness, a great one! There are so many. Oh yeah. But I know who's going to be in there, but continue, please. Oh, well, no. Do tell me who you think. Oh, there's zero question that Kiss is going to be in there, but go ahead. Okay, interesting. Led Zeppelin opening for Iron Butterfly and Vanilla Fudge, 1968-1969. So after announcing themselves to the world on their very first official gig at Surrey Universal on October 15th, 1968, members of Led Zeppelin received an offer they couldn't have even dreamed of. A year's worth of touring, the U.S., and... uh, They did. However, the headliners realized what they were dealing with after just a few dates. Led Zeppelin would whip the audience into such a frenzy that nothing the other bands could do could really live up to the opening experience. Eventually, even causing Iron Butterfly and Company to stop showing up for their own gigs. And Led Zeppelin became the unofficial main act for the remainder of the tour. Wow. That's pretty heavy. I mean, if I were an Iron Butterfly or Vanilla Fudge fan, I would stick around no matter what Led Zeppelin did but and uh, be enthusiastic about it. But I have seen some opening bands that just kind of blow you away. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to be anybody and have Led Zeppelin opening for you. Not really. No, I don't want to do that. But, I mean, I'm sorry. For you to stop showing up at your own show... You know, Just imagine. These were, and getting to come to the States, these were such kids. You have no oh, idea. These were like gosh. 19, 20 year old yes. kids, you know? I mean, this was 50, more than 50 years ago. I mean, they were absolute kids. And they're like, wow, I remember Robert Plant saying, first, I went to America and this was the first time I ever saw a cop with a gun. I mean, you know, it's just like, it's, they were so, so young and so green. But, uh, but man, they, also, they, they conquered, you know. They well, they conquered. probably had a lot of egos, too. So it's hard to you're, for your ego to take. I'm headlining this tour. Yeah. And the band that's opening for me is completely just demolishing it. And they have the audience in the palm of their hands. Yeah. And when they're done, we feel like we can't even play. Get it, get it up. I mean, really. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, it's yeah. totally true. And that's just, that's fucking brutal. And it, I did not think of them because they, I know they... Didn't open many times right. before it became apparent they simply was there was no way they had a headline. Yes, this is why I don't associate them with that as I do other acts. But that's good to know. That was news to me, kind of. Very interesting, and I just I can't imagine. I mean, thinking that you're the shit, and yeah. then the actual shit <laughs> opens for you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you. I don't know. ACDC opening for Rainbow in 1978. Uh, yeah, it seemed like uh, Rainbow certainly could hold their own with ACDC. Now, you'd think that, but just the, that's why I wanted to do some of these, because I just don't see it, because you know how I feel about ACDC. Yeah. So, it was ACDC's simple, 
gut felt magic against Blackmore's sophisticated sorcery. Apparently, the audiences couldn't get enough of their sheer simple rock, so much so that the rainbow bassist, Rob Daisley, thought Richie Blackmore might even be feeling threatened a bit. He remembers, well, maybe Richie felt a little threatened or something. I don't know, because it used to always go down well. It was only a few shows that they did with us where they opened for us. So... Apparently, this one, again, even though Rainbow is a powerhouse, they're an amazing band, really nothing at all like ACDC. You would think this would be nice, a nice appetizer, you know, a little hors d'oeuvre, you know, cute hors d'oeuvre that's got like two or three chords and we're going to move on. And apparently something, as we know, there's something about ACDC that grabs people and and they were upstage in Rainbow. And that is shocking because... Uh, ACDC is is very limited in scope. It is basically an hors d'oeuvre. Yes. And you just you eat the hors d'oeuvre so many times and you want, you know, a little variety in your meal. You want yes. a few more courses or something. That's right. I think uh it's weird the hold ACDC has over some people. I it mean is. I, I do really get into them sometimes. I gotta tell you, I did. Uh, but I you're do. not going to choose them over Rainbow. No, I'm not going to choose them over almost uh, anybody, anybody, but they're yeah. awfully good. If they were opening up, I, I, in fact, I did see ACDC opening up for Rush. Believe me, they oh, were good. Please. They impressed me. But when Rush came on, I forgot ACDC existed. Of course. And I was totally spellbound by Rush. So, uh, right, so it would have been the same thing with Rainbow. Yes. But uh, no, I, I don't get that at all. You know. I don't get that either. I don't know how that happened except... And that was news to me. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I, and here's the thing. I would imagine that a Rainbow audience, you know, you're going to hear something Thing much more complex than ACDC. Yeah. So maybe while you're hungry for that, when you hear something that is so stripped down and so kind of raw and in your face and easy, you know, like ABC yeah. rock. Way accessible. You yeah, know. you go, but I mean, oh yeah, this is good. And not that you don't get into Rainbow, but maybe you're almost a little let down by the complexity because sometimes it is thinker music, which I like that kind of music, yeah, of course, yeah. but... Interesting. I would have liked to have been in the audience to see what that looked like, that dynamic. Yeah, I certainly wasn't feeling it myself when Rush came on. And I was like, ACDC, they impressed me. They did. I really enjoyed them. I'd been hearing about them, hadn't heard much of their stuff until that night. But, uh, yeah, I was not let down at all when Rush came on. I was not thinking, (laughs) let's bring the other guys back. (laughs) No, great as they were, it was their time, and they were gone. And, yeah. so You mean um, adorable as they were. Adorable as they were. Oh, I, I thought of another one, too, that I'll bet is coming up, too. Okay, say it. And I, I, well, we'll Kiss was one, it. Van Halen was another. Interesting. Uh, yes, but w- interesting, but no reveals here. Poker Face, we're going to keep on going and see if they come up. So are you talking about Van Halen opening for Black Sabbath in 1978? I'm talking about Van Halen op- opening for anybody, but yeah, Black <laughs> Sabbath possibly. But opening uh, as an opening act, they generally aren't that in favor because they're too damn exciting, you know. So needless to say, things were looking very bad for Black Sabbath toward the end of the 1970s. And the fact that a lot of people thought Never Say Die... Um, was the most disappointing Black Sabbath album to that point. Didn't make things any better. Madness. After having already gone through an unpleasant experience of being upstaged by an opening act, the Brummy Four were looking for someone innocuous. And they thought, well, Sabbath had done a tour for a year with Kiss as the four band and had nearly killed him, Ozzy, because Kiss had been so good. I didn't. These aren't <laughs> these aren't my words. Yep. And Ozzy said, "We're never doing that again. Next tour, we would just want to be. You just want a bar band from L.A. That's all we want." Um, 
essence available. <laughs> uh, much to everyone's surprise, the bar band from L.A. turned out to be Van Halen with their debut album, Fresh Off the Printing Press, having a deeply dysfunctional Sabbath on the brink of collapse, and then the fresh-faced Van Halen with all the drive of the debut album gone well seems most unfair, but that's how life goes. So, basically, Black Sabbath, the powerhouse that they are, without freaking Ozzy. I don't like Ozzy. Van Halen stole the show. Yeah, I remember that tour, and I, I allowed myself to get talked out of a ticket for it. I did have one. I anyway, can't even. I know, so I never saw Van Halen as a I, result. Oh, God. But I was, you know, I was in school when Van Halen came out, and um, we uh, we loved them, of course, and we'd love to have seen that show. Um, I understand Sabbath was having problems. I love the Never Say Die album. I don't get the madness that it's a, that's a disappointing album. I, I love it, you know, as as any real fan does, you know. Oh, <laughs> he no. He snobbishly throws it. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I went ahead and put real fan in real air quotes. Fan, your real fan knows. <laughs> well, Never Say Die is a great record, as is Technical Ecstasy. But, yeah, I hear they were kind of imploding uh, on themselves, and uh, Ozzy was in and out, and all this stuff was going on. But Van Halen was on fire, not to I mean, drop the name on. of one of their songs. They were in, They were just crazy. And uh, the energy. And I, yeah, that's not a good opening act either because uh, Sabbath, as heavy as they ha- as they hit, you know, they're a little bit slower. Yes. And Valen Halen, you know, Valen Halen gets uh, going with this uh, breakneck tempo and this, you know, this guitar like you never heard in your life before. And, well, and then the front man Dave from just and like, the I mean, section, Alex and, and Michael, it was insane. It's just an incredible band. Incredible I mean, band, there's the no way. Uh, and you know, I, I wouldn't want them on before me either. Although I, like I said, I've been, I've been to see Sabbath with an opening act that was pretty damn impressive called Aerosmith. But uh, when it was Sabbath's time, I was all in. You know, but um, I guess things work differently in the you know bands uh, fall out of favor and. Uh, doesn't take much to have somebody eclipse them, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And just imagine, though, again, fresh-faced kids with all of the ambition and talent and, you know, just energy and excitement and testosterone and just that they just had command of their instruments. And and then Dave was just this charismatic, incredible frontman. There's no way Ozzy could compete. There, I mean, no way. It just was completely apples and oranges, which is usually... I hate that about opening bands that they're apples and oranges, but then they don't upstage the main course, right? Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Dave and speaking of Van Halen, David Lee Roth was on the Kiss the final the final Kiss tour until he got booted off and everything. Now they don't they don't want to be upstage. They don't want to have. In a way, I almost understand they have a freaking painter coming on before them. That's their opening act as a painter. <laughs> I swear he comes out and paints on the fucking stage, and then Kiss comes on. But you know, there's there's something to that. If you think if you're older and you think your fans are older. You put on an exciting band for them. They use up half their energy, hooping and hollering and clapping and screaming and everything. And then you come on and they're and they're they're ready for a nap and a bowl of Wheaties and stuff. So <laughs> you don't want to have them use their energy up on an opening act. You want to go come in and wow them after some dull painting thing, and then uh, and go. And I, I kind of get where they're coming from. A lot of backs, uh, bands don't have opening acts when they get really big. Queen well, yeah, did. I don't. I don't Queen think you have to. Zeppelin didn't. No, you just don't. You know? I, well, I don't know why you'd have a painter on. That sounds really lame. That's pretty lame. It's yeah, better um, just to not have an opening. Maybe act, don't you know? have one. Yeah. Just show up and do your thing. I don't. Yeah. yeah, it's very strange, but I'm I'm not surprised by that. Here's another one, and again, it involves one of the same players. And again, I cannot say enough how much I do not like this player. But Metallica opening for Ozzy Osbourne in 1986. <laughs> that's sad. Okay, that's sad. After releasing Master of Puppets on March 3rd, 1986, Metallica knew they were onto something, and they were eager to share eagle eager to share it with fans as soon as possible. As a result, they joined Ozzy Osbourne's promotional tour for. The ultimate sin. Ugh. Almost as soon as their album hit the shelves, 
uh, they'd go on to open for the Prince of Darkness during the next six months. And while Ultimate Sin did end up being Ozzy's highest charting album at the time, it was hardly a match for Metallica's most iconic lineup at its prime. Hello. Um, so here is what... Uh, here, our Lord and Savior Jake E. Lee, <laughs> is, as they put it, would leave Ozzy's band after the tour. He reminisced about Metallica's performances during an interview. They were heavy as shit. They were angry. There was nothing polished or pretty about them. I thought that was awesome, especially that Ultimate Sin tour. So there is something to be said for that rawness, that like kind of like gung-ho, we're, we're going for it, you know. And I think it's palpable. People can feel it. And it just it just kind of eclipses the shit show that's about to come on that is Ozzy Osbourne, which maybe you got free tickets or you're there for charity. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, is it your good deed for the year? I don't know why you would go to this in 1986. But thank God Metallica was there because then it just it saved that money that you may have spent or, you know, that charity moment. You got more bang for your buck with, uh, with, with the opening act on that one. I've never quite understood. Ozzy's solo stuff just doesn't really do it no. for me that much. I that mean, much? I mean, it's okay. We've got... Uh, some whoa, of it. we'll no, talk. I mean, it's all right, and that's it. It's not great. Him and Sabbath, okay, because he's doing Butler and Iommi's songs, you know, and uh, you know, I contributing mean, whatever. But I mean... The band, yes. Ozzy, we don't need him. Yeah, but Metallica, I know it's... I know it's... I seem to have been everywhere, popping up all over the place. Seriously, what the fuck? I saw Metallica on the Master Puppets tour. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I, never, I I must have told you that. You did not tell me that. Okay, yeah. Okay, so here I am, security guard, right? Uh, I get sent, yeah, sometimes you get sent to these random things that just pop up. I was sent to a theater in Port Jervis, New Jersey, to watch uh, uh, an alcohol-free show, so all the miners got to come in, and everybody really went ape shit. You know, in fact, one of the bands said that, you know. He said, I love the dry shows because they let all the kids in and everybody goes fucking wild, you know, and it's true. Um, at a theater, and there were three bands. It was Overkill. Uh, Auntie, uh, Auntie was on an Overkill, and I thought Overkill was great. And the singer came out, and I said, "Dude, you were so good." Here I am getting paid to watch Metallica, you know. And he says, "You were so good." And he said, "If you think we're good, wait till you see Metallica." And I hadn't heard them before this, and they were amazing. I mean, this was Cliff Burton. This was the original Metallica. Uh, amazing, amazing show. They just blew me away. So yeah, I actually did see that. Um, I they're too good to open for anybody, honestly. Thank you. Especially especially Ozzy. I mean they're on their worst day, I'll take them over him. Uh so it's unfortunate. Um, you know you want to help bands out and stuff or whatever, but uh uh again, if I were an Ozzy fan, really big into him and I'm not, I would have uh loved Metallica and then st- stuck around and been just as enthused. It's uh it's sort of a it's a little bit of a mismatch because they're much heavier than he is, honestly. And uh, they're both heavy, though. But uh, they're much faster, much more aggressive. And uh, th- especially at that time, they were so, so insane. Um, yeah, I, so, yes, I saw, and I knew, what they, I knew what poor Ozzy was up against. Well, yeah, I mean, holy shit that you got to see that tour. I can't even, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I'm just, I just am so envious of all. I mean, I'm happy you got to see him, but I fucking wish I could have seen all the shows you've seen. Holy I mean, shit. they didn't even have to pay me, but they did, you know. I mean, yeah, you're like, I'd I'd like you to keep my pay because I got to see Metallica. But any band is going to upstage Ozzy Osbourne. I'm sorry. But yeah, it, not this that band? Maybe even ACDC. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I might I might be like, okay, I think here's the thing. If you go to an Ozzy, again, charity, gifts, whatever, poorly chosen, selected gifts that people give you. Bad raffle. Yes, know. exactly. R- raffle gone then, wrong. That's right. <laughs> Tickets to this show, right? Gun to your head. If you don't go to the show, I'll yeah. kill you. That kind of thing. 
maybe, you know, when you hear Metallica, then you go, oh my God, this guy sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? After you hear that, that raw just power and like he said, anger and just, you know, I don't know, balls to the wall. Yeah. Then you get the dulcet, sad, pathetic tones of, no, not really dulcet at all, but you know, dull right. is what I meant. And and further on in their career, the, uh, the total inferiority of Ozzy would become even more apparent mm. because they started doing more ballady stuff, which they're extremely good at. Like oh, gosh. Nothing Else Matters. Oh, and, my God. And songs like that. Which Elton John says is one of the best songs ever written. It, it's brilliant. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, Elton John says that. Like, I guess James Hetfield cried when he heard that. I uh, would. I know an indie artist, uh, Harpist, who plays at weddings and records and stuff like that, who's who's covered that beautifully. It's just that kind of song. It has a melody that she plays on the harp, and it's, just, and it's that kind of... Uh, Song so that makes Ozzy look even worse, honestly, because he does the ballads, and they really weren't into that at the time. They were proggy and really thrashy, but they even got more and more afield, and they uh, upstaged him even more. So, yeah. but even back then, they were too much to, too hot to handle. For, yeah, you know. and Ozzy Osbourne always sucked, so that's good. Yeah. Well. So the last show we're going to talk about is, and this is this one's going to get you. I'm waiting for your just your response to this. Is Nine Inch Nails opening for David Bowie in 1995? Oh, well, I mean, I sort of appreciate Nine Inch Nails. In 1995. In 1995, yeah. I mean, I know. They, they come on strong. They're really, I mean, there's a lot of experimental uh, similarities between the two and everything. And I, they seem kind of like they almost fit together, except for Nine Inch Nails tends to really enthrall an audience. Um, and, you know, that's a. I can kind of see it with Bowie, and Bowie is the best, but uh, I I wouldn't think that would be a problem, but apparently it was. Well, at the time, Nine Inch Nails were riding the massive waves of popularity caused by their 1994 masterpiece and still the most well-known, The Downward Spiral, while Bowie, although a living legend with inexhaustible creativity, as they say, still lacked the aura of freshness. Right. Yeah. That he had. And he was aware of it. And Bowie said, I personally did like the combination of Nine Inch Nails and me, but fans didn't. Bad luck. It was also an extremely young audience, about 12 to 17 years old. My starting point was simply, I've just made an adventurous album. What can I do now to turn the concert as adventurous as possible? Looking at it that way, it seemed logical to confront myself with Nine Inch Nail audience. I knew it would be hard to captivate them by music they never heard, by an artist whose name was they were only sort of familiar with. So apparently he knew he yeah. was being upstaged by Nine Inch Nails. And I think it makes sense. And it's not that Bowie isn't brilliant, but 19... What, what what year did I say that was? 1995 Bowie? Not the same Bowie you're thinking. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, this was the black tie, white noise. Right. Uh, which uh, isn't bad, which but I it's... I still don't quite get, but... Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of yeah. Bowie fans don't quite get this. There's, I try, there's a, I try like several every years. year. I try like every year. I know you do. You literally do. So I can see that. I mean... And the downward spiral, though, is just hypnotic. It's just an, a crazy album. But... Here, it's not just we're saying, oh, that they're that you know they're upstaging him. Bowie's saying, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough, tough crowd. And again, I like that Bowie did that because, like you said, he was like, I want to bring out new artists. I want to support you know new art. He used, he had always been that way. So what a great opportunity it, for Nine Inch Nails. But it's a great opportunity for Nine Inch Nails. And honestly, it's a brilliant. Uh, I don't want to call it to make it as crass sounding as a ploy, a marketing ploy. But mm-hmm. it was. It's a. I, I as Walter White would say. 
I admire the strategy. You know, True. I yeah. mean, I, I see what Bowie was going for here. He said, I want to get my music into the hands or into the minds of each and every kid with a head like a hole. So, uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. What? <laughs> what I say. Yeah, what I say. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, I, mean, I know I, he'd rather die than give him control, but you know. Uh, oh so, yeah. God! Mm, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. Groan, <laughs> but funny. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes more sense than I remember one time Bowie toured with Queen Latifah. I didn't get that at all. What the fuck? Yeah, if I, if I'm not mistaken, Queen Latifah. You know, she did. If she, if they did, I have no idea. She did not upstage him. I can tell you. Yeah, that that, that ain't gonna happen. She no. did not. That but ain't gonna happen. I do think some of these were the cases where that did happen. I'm not sure that I agree with all of them, specifically the ACDC one. But you know what? You never know. And I still do think that I think opening acts are two things. One, they're a great opportunity. And two, they're the worst fucking thing to happen to concerts because I don't want to listen to an opening act. I want the band. I want to give a fuck. And I'm going to go buy a T-shirt. I'm going to go get my drink. I don't care. I'm not going to remember you once I walk away, with the exception of, no doubt, uh, yes. and the Sugar Cubes, which is Bjork. Oh, that's right. It is Bjork. That's right. Now, I usually pay attention to the opening act very closely. However, I don't want there to be like four of them. I want one. One band and then my group, you know. And I'll listen to you guys, but I want my group next. I don't want to listen to half a dozen bands uh, unless it's a big concert like uh, the one uh, Frank Marino, Hogney Rush, Journey. That's Ted, different. Ted Nugent and Aerosmith. That's different. That's four, you know, big acts. But, I mean, uh, there have been some incredible opening. It's a great opportunity for them, but it's also a, a great opportunity for – it's a good opportunity for them because they have fans who go batshit over them like I did in the case of Aerosmith. They were opening and then they were headlining the next year. Right, but here's the thing. Most of the – and I agree with you. Most of the opening acts that I've seen have nothing to do or nothing in common with the artist I'm going to see. And that's where the mistake is. If you want to fan share – if you say, I am X type of band, here is an X type of artist opening. Because you like us, I think you will like this band. That's not what happens. Yeah, I'm more into the sort of an e-harmony approach. Thank like, you. you know, I like that. We match into, on 18 levels. Yeah, not yeah. into the arp, uh, opposites attract thing. No. I never really bought that. Okay, that's, that's crap. That's the problem. Yeah. That's where I have the problem. If you're going to have an opening act, just give me an appetizer that you know I'm going to like. Yeah, I know. Let's have Rage Against the Machine and Arlo Guthrie. Yeah, that's a good match right there. I mean, oh, you know. Yeah, probably uh, not. Yeah, I mean... Totally incongruities. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. You can't fan share. Just like when we play gigs, I'm like, so who are the bands? Oh, we we don't want to play with Americana because we're not Americana. And we don't want them to play with us because we're not, we can't fan share. People are going to be like, I'm here to see rock. I'm here to see Americana. And they're going to be fucking disappointed if they hear a scent, if they're there to see Americana. That's right. I mean, sure, you'll have your crossover fans and everything. Maybe. it isn't. It's not right to expect it. It's not. It's not right to expect it, especially when they're paying that much. Yeah, like no. you know, give me somebody that I'm actually that's palatable to me yeah. that you know is going to be palatable. That's where my issue is. But I have no issue with opening acts. I just wish they made sense more. Kiss was was reviled as an opening act because they kept upstaging everybody, as you said, and the Tubes also. But they did open for one band that I'm sure there was no concern about that with. That would be Led Zeppelin. Mm. So it's like, okay, you go, you do your Tubes thing, and you're not going to upstage Led Zeppelin no matter what the fuck you do. Yeah, it's so, it's just uh, the antics on stage, those two and their their stage show. It's not that their music was better. It's just this this 
you know, crazy, insane stage show yeah. that both of those bands do. You know, I mean, you can't compete with, you know, what what is like Gene Simmons like three hundred feet tall on stage with this makeup and this like outfit and these boots that are the tallest boots you've ever seen, and he's breathing fire. I mean, like. I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you can't look at a spectacle like that. I mean, and that you're going to be like, oh, and then you're just standing on stage singing. <laughs> Can you do something? <laughs> and the and the energy was nuts too. Of in, course, in addition, you know. So yeah, it's, and then that uh, ang- they had that anger too. That like, oh, you know, that thing. It's you can feel it. Yeah, you can feel it. There was a, there was a serious there was a, a real hunger in the early Kiss music for sure. You know, I mean, every band that's brand new. There's that hunger there, or the first, you know, couple albums, you know, and hopefully it doesn't peter out. But the the industry is really tough. It's always been tough. So De- you know, debut albums are always interesting. I mean, sometimes you get a debut like Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, and Jesus. you go like, "This is your defining work." Oh my god! And sometimes you get one that people think it knocks people on their socks, but it's no way an indication of what you're going to do later on, like Led Zeppelin's first album. Yeah, you're like... Everybody went, oh, wow, this is unbelievable. No, 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 you ain't heard nothing yet. Just just, just wait. keep listening. Just wait. And the next one, and the next one, you're going to go, yeah. shit, what is this, you know? And then tragedy, but, and then uh, it's over. Yeah. And sometimes it's the first, and then the rest is no big, no great shakes. But I never take away from that one record. If you did one song that I absolutely love... You're golden with me, even if if it's Drek, the rest of these stuff you put Which out. makes me so happy, because I mean, Ascent is safe, because there's at least one song he likes, so thank God. Ascent is, 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 is their, their record is chock full of gems, and I'm talking about uh, Evolution of Sorrow, Bleed Like Us, which you can uh, obtain, uh, <laughs> is just uh, one, uh, it's all killer, no filler, this record. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But that's, see, that we were grandfathered in regardless. He's, yeah. he's, he's required to say these things, because of his rule... That if you have one thing he likes, <laughs> he's in. And I'm required to go to the show this week. I just have to. It's been it's been so long. I I'm so eager to go see Ascent again. I have uh, to say it'll be amazing to have yeah. you there. It'll be amazing to perform for you. It'll uh, be wonderful. I'll be there with my cane propped up in the corner. Hell know. yeah, and your ring, of course. I hope. No, I meant, I meant propped up so because so, I can't move. So because I'm six, I'm sixty now. So. Oh oh shit! I'm yeah. sorry. That's right. I'm sorry. Am I speaking loud enough? Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear you. I can hear okay, you. Good. I've got a okay. special device. Just checking. Okay. Well, now that we've exhausted this topic, I think, but I think a good chat and a very interesting topic, I guess that only leaves for you to say... Let's fly this coop. This has been Birds of a Feather on What the Flock Radio.